Yes, he's ready. People keep saying yes. And they both gave their lives to the Lord. Two 17-year-olds. Yeah. But this guy was just waiting for us, really. He literally was sitting there waiting for us. So it was so easy. And I prayed with him, and he prayed the prayer as well. <laughs> I'm 15. I just, me and my mom and sister, just led six people to Christ for the first time. He, he, he was seated, and he just went through the script so easily. I said, would you like me to pray for you? Yes. And then after that, would you like to make the, you know, so prayer of commitment? And he said, yes. And he said, hi, he's an imam. And I said, no problem. Even if you're an imam, I'm here to present the good news to you. That's why Jesus has sent me to come and present salvation to you. He said, I should go on. So he said this prayer after me. And after that, I congratulated him and said, you're now a born-again Christian. We prayed the prayer, she prayed the prayer of commitment, prayed for her and her family, and uh, she gave us the contact details as well. So that was the very first one, so it was like, oh! This thing about being in God's presence has just changed my heart. And out on the street today, I could just go and talk to people like I've never, ever done in my life. Since this outpouring began, Many thousands of Christians have encountered God in fresh ways, received a boldness to share their faith and been trained in how to lead others to Christ. Multitudes have responded to the gospel on the streets as ordinary Christians have been empowered and equipped to talk about Jesus. What began as a mission in a small Baptist church in Reading appears to be a move of God that will impact the UK and beyond. The Turning, transforming the heart, training the church, turning the nations. Great. Good morning, folks. I'll stand up here. Are you okay? You look, you look, you look okay. Just about. So, folks, this uh, video, we've shown it before. Uh, it's the turning. Hands up who knows a little bit about the turning. A little bit. Okay. Not, not, uh, not a lot of you, because we have spoken about it. Well, this uh, next few sessions, uh, uh, this morning, we're going to be talking and focusing about what the turning means for Warsaw. Um, back in, was it September last year? September last year, the, the new uh, lead minister at Walsall Community Church, a guy called Tim Summersby. Uh, who knows Tim Summersby? Who knows, uh, remember Scylla and John Baker? Well, Tim is Scylla and John's son-in-law. Uh, he is married to Heidi, who is John's daughter. And they, they took on the church from uh, Mark Harland. Remember Mark Harland? who led Warsaw Community Church, and now, now lead the fellowship at the Goldmine Centre. Well, he was at the uh, annual conference of their denomination, which is called Salt and Light, and um, he was listening to a, a, a Nigerian guy called Yinka. And I always get this wrong, and Sister Chidi can help me. He is, which, which, he's a Yoruba, which is the best Nigerian tribe, I'm told, yes? He's not. <laughs> 
No. I always get that wrong. Okay. Anyway, he's, he's from the Yoruba. Not so good. And, uh, but anyway, but what is good, he has a real, uh, he's been trained as an evangelist. Right? That's his calling and training to do that. And he received something in Reading, when we talked about Reading the other week, um, where they went out to do a, a mission to uh, reach the lost, as evangelists do, to preach the gospel on the street. And um, what occurred from that in, uh, initial mission was something which is quite remarkable. More remarkable than he's ever seen in his many, many years in training as an evangelist. Uh, was that people responded to the gospel in a way in which it is never seen before. More than Alpha, more than little missions, where he was, people were expecting maybe if five people came to your services as a result of an evangelist campaign or five people put their hand up in a service, we'd think it's revival in some respects, wouldn't we? Yeah, we'd say hallelujah. And great for the, the one that gets saved. But in this case, it's tens, twenties, thirties people um, responded to the gospel. And um, sharing at the Sultan Light Conference, Tim heard this. And what Yinka had said is that God has given not just this for Reading, where they've seen remarkable results of churches coming together, of different denominations and none, to see people, not just great evangelists who people have been trained, but ordinary folk. And Tim felt this was uh, something that should be brought to Warsaw. And he shared it with us, uh, not just us as a church, but many, many uh, ministers. Uh, different fellowships gathered together uh, and we came together I think it was in September to listen to Yinka himself to come and share to say is this something that should be brought to Warsaw is this resonating with what God is speaking to us as individual fellowships and people who have a, a heart for the lost who still believe that Warsaw will be saved do you believe that this morning okay so we listened to it and then just to, because we're, we're, we're a sceptical folk in Warsaw, um, you know, we really, you know, we really got to examine stuff. We asked to, to listen to an, another guy, a guy called Nick Hardin, who is from Liverpool, because they were the ones that sort of went ahead and said, come to Liverpool and show us how it's done, which they did do. And then similar results happened. Many, many, many people coming to, to, to faith through ordinary folk sharing the message of the gospel. So we, as the church in Warsaw, gathered together and said, Let, let's see if this happen. So this slide here just basically says between the 29th of May, the 10th of June, the turning is going to come to Warsaw. And over these next few minutes, we're just going to share a bit about that, a few testimonies from those that went to Reading for the initial training, but, and also about what this potentially means for us as a church, but for the church across Warsaw. Next slide, please, Carol. Um, this was a couple of weeks ago in Walter Town Centre. How many of you went on the March of Witness? Okay. So every year, the churches in Warsaw, again, of all faiths and none, gather together to remind Walsall Town Centre that Jesus is alive. Yeah? And we do it through uh, a procession of someone uh, dressed as the Lord, uh, marching down the high street of Walsall Town Centre, culminating with the uh, depiction of the crucifixion and a very short message. Why that's up there, it's, this is a, a symbol of us as the body of Christ working together, right? Now when Jesus comes back, and he will be coming back, he's not coming back for the, um, 
the Baptists. Not because the Baptists are particularly in error, although we could have a theological debate about it, right? He's not coming back for the Anglicans or the Roman Catholics. He's coming back for the Bride of Christ. And that is all of us, folks, yeah? And I'm not saying the things that we don't have disagreements with on theological grounds. Some people like to dunk people in baptism. Some people like to sprinkle. Some people like to dance and shout in services. Some like to be more reflective. But the essentials of the gospel, Christ, almighty God, crucified, came to earth, becoming sin for us, dying, coming back again. These are the fundamentals of which we can agree on and do agree on. And it is on that basis that we come together as the body of Christ in Warsaw. And then beyond that, we also say that God is interested in geographical areas, absolutely. And we as his ambassadors in, uh, for Christ say that Warsaw will be saved. And this initiative, the turning, like the initiative here with um, uh, the uh, Easter pr parade, the March of Witness, is another symbol of the church apostolic. Leaders coming together to say, let's see what we can do for Christ as we listen and heed to his words. And more than that, we've done another step, because Walsh is not, um, uh, has been working together on, on, on a lot of things. Remember Jesus 2000, we did all sorts of things, but this is another one of those things. We've now created a common purse, folks, where churches are putting money into a common pot and saying, let's use this for the work of the kingdom in Warsaw, right? Ministers are sharing their worship leaders, their talents, their facilities to say, let's do this for Warsaw, because we believe that Warsaw can and will be saved. Okay, next slide. Rachel's going to come now and just carry on for us. I'll just move this across. Because, uh, Okay, so when we took over the three, we three, three amigos, um, we kind of noticed that um, although we, we tried to cover the um, fivefold, we'd actually said that we felt as though one of our weaknesses was evangelism. Because there wasn't anybody amongst us, amongst the three of us, that were an out and out evangelist. Um, we looked around and we didn't necessarily see anybody kind of shining forth. And although we know that we spend a lot of time um, inputting from our seasonal stuff, so we put a lot of time and energy into our seasonal kind of Christmas and Easter and our remembrance and those kind of services that people can bring things to. And we've done community days in the past, haven't we? We've done a whole host of different things. But we're not actually out there, are we? And some of that is those of us in leadership as well as um, you kind of go to a church where you feel comfortable with people that are kind of the same don't you we're all a bit shy aren't we we're not all with this we're not one of those congregations where we're a bit like Rah! are we you go to some congregations and they are a bit like that aren't they and that's brilliant but we're not like that, are we? So we do get sometimes criticism when people come in and go, mm, we're a bit of a snotty lot. Because we are all a little bit reserved, 
when it comes down to it underneath. So we knew that that was one of our weaknesses. So we w- we'd said when we took over, the three of us, we need to be looking at ways that we can do evangelism because we're not really doing it. We have been doing lots of social action. We've done lots of things like that, but we're not really doing evangelism. And so for the next slide, we've got, as you can see, Matthew 28, where it says, and the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, and Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples and so we've got to go we can't just stay in the place where we are as much as that's comfortable and yes we can invite people in but we actually need to go out and we need to go out and do stuff and then we need to make them disciples that means we need to bring them through um so We can't always leave it and rely on the big evangelist. Carol, if we could have the next slide, please. So because we know that that's a weakness of ours, we've kind of relied on big names, haven't we, historically? We'll kind of put coaches on and bring people to people like Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke back in Perry Bar. Do you remember that? That was all way back. That's when Adam became... A Christian, um, and uh, we've got some of these great folk. We've got the Jeffries brothers. We've got some. We've got some amazing folk historically that have been wonderful evangelists. But we can't just wait for them to come. We can't just wait and say, "Well, come on, God, you know, where's the next big evangelist?" Because that verse in Matthew that we just had was for all of us. And I have to say, I say that, and there's a part of me that when I'm out on the street, I just want to squirm and I just want to crawl into the by the nearest wall. No matter what you think about me, I am actually incredibly shy and I will chat to people about nothing, but... I also like to retreat into a quiet place. So it's not something that I naturally would want to do. So I understand that in saying this to some of you, you're thinking, it's all right for you. Well, can I just say, it's not. Because I don't feel comfortable doing it either. (laughs) But it's one of those things that God has called us to do. And one thing that I felt really challenged when we went to Reading And I've been sat there thinking, no, I'm going to be able to hold it together because I'll just look like a fool. But you know when we need to repent because I was overwhelmed with the fact that I suddenly realised that I've relied upon leaders or great evangelists and I've used that as an excuse because that's not my gift set, that's not my primary gift set, that it's okay. And you know what? It's not. Absolutely, Rach. Next slide. This is what, this is what Paul, great apostle Paul, said to, to his, his own disciple, Timothy. Yes, keep your head in all situations and endure hardship. 
but you are to do the work of the evangelist. And that's, that's a, that is the message to all of us. And if you think about it, and I'll say I'm into Rachel's scenario, I, I, love, I do like people, I do. I did warn you that I, I haven't got a pastoral heart, but I do care for people, but I do like my own company, I really do. I want to keep focused and someone stops me and says, okay, okay, let's have a chat then. And, and someone has to rise within me, I believe it's the Holy Spirit, coming out and say, let's, let's do this. Da-da, hallelujah, right? But if you really think about it, and this is a challenge to me, Kevin Davis, is if, it's a big if, if this gospel stuff is real, if, if this is the thing that has the power to salvation, if it sets people free, if it has set me free, why? Why on earth would I want to keep it to myself? Why? Right? If this thing is real. Right? And so when Paul says we need to do the work of evangelists, yes, God has given, we read Ephesians 4, great giftings in particular individuals that will see masses of folks respond to the gospel. We, and we thank God for the gifts of Billy Graham and the like. But we are a priesthood of all believers. Right? All of us. Right? dog collar or none, we all have Christ within us, the hope of glory. And that's the hope we should be sharing with folks. And um, some testimonies, I'm going to call it now. And before, before the folks come up, I want, I want to say thank you again to our PAYS team, right? These are young people who have put a year or more out of their lives and got over themselves and their squeamishness to share the gospel amongst young people. That's fantastic, yeah? It is, yeah. And um, we've got Sarah here, who is very ordinary. Thank you. And her parents are here. Stand up, parents. Or stand up in German. Help them. Come on. That's it. They've come. Thank you. Thank you for releasing your daughter for us for a few years. She's, she's been okay. She's been okay. Um, we've all, uh, the, who remembers Keith and Anne Good? Yeah, well, Keith and Anne Good are here. And when I saw them, I said to Keith, you're still alive? Hallelujah. <laughs> well, Keith and Anne are very ordinary people. I don't forgive me saying that, but th these guys were, when, when Rachel mentioned Margaret Walker, I, crumbs, 100 years old, she was one of the foundations of our church. Her husband, Gerald, those who have been in the church longer, if remember Gerald, well, Keith, Keith's not quite 100 yet, right, <laughs> but he was around our church back in the day, and I always remember, other than Keith having a really powerful singing voice in the choir, their heart for the lost, particularly in Egypt, when they went out to Egypt, Keith and Anne, Sharing the gospel with, with people that lived on rubbish dumps. Sharing the truth that this Jesus that we serve is alive. Let's, let's just recognize Keith now. Stand up to your feet. Come on. Bless you. Really good to see you. Come on. Stand up. Bless you. Thank you for all that you did over the years. It, it's, 
it's not superstars' fault. It's ordinary people that become animated by the power of God to share this thing. So I'm really grateful for that. And we've got some more very ordinary people. Chiddy, who's very ordinary, and Wally, who's less ordinary. But come, come to the front. Come on. Come on. Come to the front. You're going to do a bit now. Come on. Welcome them, folks. Come on. Right, so we, we gave you a little flavour of what happened in Reading uh, a few weeks ago when Rachel, myself, uh, Walter and uh, Chidi went to, to Reading and did the scary thing on the streets talking to comp complete strangers about this Jesus. With other fellowships from uh, Water Community Church and what's Leonard's church called? Restoration Fellowship as well went out and did the gospel thing. So I haven't, we haven't, unless Rachel's given them a, uh, what to say and what have you, it's completely over to you. Uh, if you go over time, I'll just give you a stern look. All right. So. Well, we're all in fear. Oh, sorry. We're all in fear of going out on the street. Me as well. And we went and we prayed and we soaked and we praised. We had a little bit of training and we went out on the street. But you think, how on earth am I going to remember all of this? But the basis you say is, I want to have a word with you. I've got two things to say to you. God loves you. He's got an awesome plan for your life. And people love that. But then you can't remember the rest. So me being a bit thick, I've actually brought a card that I'll share with you. Okay? And on here, you've asked them that question. You and then asked them, if you die today, are you sure that you will, without a doubt, go straight to heaven? There's one answer. No, I think so. Or Yes. Yes or no answer. So that gives you then the opportunity to share with those people. You can pray with them or you can wish them well and pray with them. And then if they say no, they're going to die, right? you can say that God loves them. Whosoever. Right? You are a whosoever and they are a whosoever. Right? You can work your way through this little prayer and lead people to Christ. Dead easy, dead simple. We saw 15, yeah, 13 people on two different days give their life to Jesus. It opens up the door. I had two really deep conversations with people, didn't lead them to the Lord but the one guy was so angry. He was reading the paper by the people we were talking to and he was so angry. And it was, what's your problem, mate? We've soaked this area with prayer. Eventually, he put the paper down. We talked to him. He'd got cancer of the esophagus. He'd got nobody to love and care for him. And we just spent some time talking to him and praying for him. And his nose was running, tears was streaming down his eyes as we prayed for him that God loves him. You know, it's awesome. You can do it, folks.
Praise the Lord. I'll be as brief as fully. Thank you for going through the script. So that's one job done. Um, now, Reading for me, I went there, you know, um, with so much interest, um, having uh, been connected to Besco uh, Market. Um, I was very open. And um, what I saw, I actually went, you know, uh, expecting, you know, like, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, boards and, you know, lots of teachings and, you know, but there was very little of that, really. Um, most of the times we spent in God's presence, just worshipping, worshipping, worshipping. So everything that happened flowed out of, you know, uh, um, what you have actually received from the Father. It was just, you know, uh, that, you know, um, raw presence of God that really led you. Yes, I go to Bescot all the time, but hand on my heart, I don't ever want to get familiar with, you know, uh, uh, witnessing to people or take things for granted. I don't ever want to be in that position. So I was still nervous, even though it's something I do all the time. But um, it was just such an eye-opener to me. Yes, the script. But for me, I don't think there's anything on that script that we don't say in Bescot. It's something that we all say. It's something that you do whenever you have to, you know, maybe you have the opportunity to witness to somebody. But it was just the grace, the presence of God and that's just connected, you know, to it. And for me, really, everything I link to being in God's presence. It's just, you know, God's presence. So I only went out just one day. I paired with Wally. And uh, the first person that, um, you know, um, I spoke to, he was just busy wrapping up his cigarette and said to me, you know, uh, no, not now, not now, not now. Um, I've got this problem with my missus, you know, not now. I said, okay, God bless you. So I just carried on. But I led three people to the Lord um, on that day. And then we prayed with seven people um, all in one day. The first person we led, I think uh, I shared uh, um, on Palm Sunday about um, uh, a young lady in her 20s, you know, who was gay, uh, you know, prayed the prayer with me. And then after praying the prayer, you know, she turned around and said to me, what if I tell you I'm gay? And I said, well, it, it doesn't change anything. You know, Jesus still loves you. And I gave her the scripture, if any man, if being Christ, he is now a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things, you know, ha have now become new. And there's something in that script which really gets me, which we actually, you know, uh, tell them that if you make mistakes, as a new Christian, if you make mistakes, don't run away from God. Run to him. And that was exactly what, you know, um, I said to this girl. And she was very willing to share her contacts and everything. And then the next guy that um, I spoke to that gave his life to the Lord um, was in the gym. And um, he said to me, I don't do religion. And I said, well, neither do I. I don't do religion. But, you know, it's all about relationship. Then, you know, he was now ready to hear and he listened. And, you know, he, he was actually taking the paper, you know. He actually took it from me and he read, we actually read it together. And again, you know, 
you know, um, led him to the Lord. And the third person that I led to the Lord was very willing. She was actually rushing somewhere, but she just stopped, you know, shared, she engaged, she prayed. But there were other Christians as well that we met, you know, who, uh, okay, they're Christians, they've given their lives to the Lord, but they had problems. And, you know, we actually prayed with them and encouraged them to carry on in their faith. And can I just go back to the gentleman that Wally, you know, was talking about. This man was, he was, he was in a good state, you know. And uh, when we offered to pray with him, you know, uh, he said, no, 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 I have many, uh, so many people praying for me already. So, but when Wally said, I want to pray for you, that God will heal you. So he was ready then to listen. And Wally prayed. And when uh, Wally finished praying, he turned around and he said to Wally, you're a good man. And Wally said, no, I'm not. A, I'm a saved man. So, and I think for me, I was praying that that word, I'm a saved man, you know, will just keep resonating in him. So and I think in many ways, it's not really uh, too many words. It's, you know, just being there. We don't have any credentials. Personally, I don't, you know. I'm not very eloquent, but I'm available. I'm willing I'm ready. The rest is just in the hands of the Holy Spirit. He does the rest. Praise God. Uh, Kevin just nudged me to uh, share one of the stories that I was involved with. We had the training and um, it felt a bit rushed on the first morning. Um, anyone that heard Penny share, she said it felt like on oh my days and we were out on the street. And it wasn't like we were in the centre, like in the town centre where we're going to be doing it. It was like, you know, like, just like, almost like walking out of the school and you're kind of walking up a, up a street. <laughs> and you know, and you kind of like, <laughs> is this, is this really it? It's like, have you ever tried doing skipping, you know, skipping where they do the rope and you have to run into it? Have you ever done that when you were kids? Where you, and, you, and you do this, don't you? To go in, to, and then you start jumping, don't you? Where you get in, and you get in the right thing. And if you, if you get the timing out, then all the rope ends up around your legs and you fall on the floor. Have you ever done that? Well, that's what this felt like. I was thinking, <laughs> there's nobody here. And they sent you out with somebody, with somebody that's done it before. And, uh, and he, went <laughs> he went to me. Go on, that one. <laughs> this one coming up. And I was like that. <laughs> well, give me time at least to pull myself together. Could you just not? And I was like that. <laughs> and, you know, like getting in the room. <laughs> thinking, I can't do this. Anyway, I went, oh, no, I can't do it. You'll have to do it. <laughs> so, so I'm telling you about my complete and utter failure. Anyway, the guy, and I was thinking, he must be mad. She's got two dogs. A, gra a little tiny one and a, and a big... English bulldog that's pulling on the lead so I was thinking in my very practical head oh there's no point stopping her there's absolutely no point but he went for it because he'd said no no we're going for it anyway he started so I backed him up I was his right wing man so I backed him up I was praying I was praying the dogs would be silent and sudden calm would come upon them and it did so um anyway she stood there we went through the whole script um, she, uh, she did the prayer. The thing about the script, it seals the deal. 
So many of us have the same conversations, like Chidi said. We have the same conversations. We say, we say the same kind of things, but this script seals the deal. It sealed the deal, okay? We came away. We got all her details. She gave us all of our details. She was quite thrilled about it. We put all the stuff in her back pocket because, obviously, she was holding one dog. The other dog was on the lead. I was still amazed that she'd stopped. I was like that, oh, my days, Lord. And we go on our way and then we speak to somebody else and we do the same with him. Anyway, story about this lady, apparently she's known to the church. One of the key ladies in the church um, knew her from 30 years ago, went to school with her and used to hang around with her. Turns out that she'd been away three weeks ago and her friends had said that this lady with the dogs that she was having crisis in her life and that, uh, that this, this lady from church, Debbie, needed to contact her because she was having a real difficulties. Her husband was a heroin addict and she needed some prayer and she needed Debbie's help. Debbie hadn't been in contact with her. She'd got some kind of vague collection with Facebook, but she was thinking, how do I go around to her house She's, her husband's a, a heroin addict. Things are really difficult. I don't know how I'm going to contact her. On that day, after she'd gone and she'd said the prayer with us and we got the details, Debbie from the church saw her in the barbers. She was just coming out there to the barbers and saw the lady, uh, the, this friend that we spoke to. And she said, um, she said oh, I've, been, I've been trying to get hold of you because from... Her friends had said, you need to get hold of this lady. And she said, oh, it's okay. I'm sorted. And she went, what do you mean? She said, I've just seen your friends up the road. I've said the prayer. They've got my details. I'm coming to the thing. They have invited me to the thing tomorrow night, to the play at church. I'm coming. I'm there. It's done. You know, when you're just like, oh, my days. I wouldn't have stopped her because she got two dogs and I thought she'd got her hands full. This bloke had said, go on. And I was going, oh, God, you have to do it. He did it. God has got a plan and he puts it all together. And for this lady, it was transformation. So in Reading, in their church, they were just, well, you would be blown away, wouldn't you? At the way that God had streamed all of that together. And that was one of those big stories. So... We, as we move on, one of those things that we need to look at is we have to look at what God's saying. Because I have to say, I'm not particularly brave. And I get really worked up and my neck goes red and I think, oh, I can't possibly do that. <laughs> I'll do anything but that. I'll clean the toilets. Anyway, so for me, I have to know whether it's something that God's calling me to do. And the thing that Chidi was saying about God's presence, it's all about God's presence. We do stuff out of God's presence. As we get filled up with him, we then go and give it out to other people. So we have to listen to some of the words that are going around. And that's the other thing where we have to kind of, you know, sometimes you have to read the signs of what's going on, which takes us to some of the prophets Okay, and we have to look at Smith Wigglesworth. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, he is a guy who was basically, he was raised in a poor family. 
Um, his father did manual labour. He himself became uh, went, was worked in a factory and became a plumber. And, uh, and he just kind of ministered. He got arrested by, not arrested as in by the police, but he was just overwhelmed with God's presence and shared um, God's love and his word to so many. And we've had lots and lots of Smith Wigglesworth words. And in 1947, he gave a word, which is 70 years, 70 years ago. And, uh, and he's talked about specific moves of God and uh, he said about when the word and the spirit come together now if you remember for us as a church in our journey on January the 14th Jared Cooper came didn't he and did he or did he not talk about Smith Wigglesworth prophecy and he talked about the spirit and the word coming together didn't he and this brings us back to that about the about the fact that his words said that it would be the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit in the nation and indeed the world and uh, he said that it would be bigger than the Wesleyan and the Welsh revivals and for the former years and the outpouring of God's spirit would flow over not from the UK but to the mainlands of Europe and to Germany, and to France, and to all over into, the UK, into Europe. And he prophesied that after the third wave, he talk, if you want to read about his prophecy, then please do, but he talks about after a third wave. It says that he was sobbing, and he said, I see the last day revival, because it's already been stated that the first two have happened charismatic revival the faith and healing revival but this is the third um, revival and it's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth and it'll be the greatest revival that the world's ever seen a wave of gifts of the spirit the ministry gifts flowing out and I see hospitals being emptied out I see hospitals being emptied out and they bring the sick to the churches where they allow the Holy Ghost to move then we look at Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker, now some people would say, yeah, okay, others not so much. Heidi Baker was at um, a conference called Catch the Fire in London. And her, the word that they, ha they had there was that there's a revival that's God promised in this nation. Now, Smith Wigglesworth was 1947. Heidi Baker was 2014, okay? Another wave of a revival, and it's going to come as we go and the revival of radical love is going to come as we go the move of God is different than you've ever seen before it's different because there's going to be no one mighty evangelist no one's going to point to a mighty preacher no one's going to point to a mighty event but there's going to be an immersion and this immersion of the father's love and the immersion of the holy spirit and this immersion this infilling of God from within people's hearts and individuals and the hearts of the body of Christ and there is going to be a movement of unity in the UK amongst the denominations and the non-denominations and there's going to be a wave of unity amongst the body of Christ this is Heidi Baker 
And then we move on to Malcolm Duncan in 2016. And in 2016, this is a guy who's a Baptist minister, um, and he was speaking at the um, World Prayer Centre for the conference in March. And he talked about um, the prophetic word for, he felt he'd got a prophetic word for the church, the wider church. And he referred to the Wigglesworth prophecy and the distinct moves of the Holy Spirit. And he sent, Malcolm sensed that God had spoken to him through these two prophetic words in the last days of the conference. And he pointed out that 2017 is 70 years since Wigglesworth's prophecy. He also pointed out that Jean Darnell's prophecy that I haven't referenced but you can always look at, he prophesied similar stuff and that is 50 years. And he had a sense that this was significant, that just as Daniel was awakened to the promise of God to Israel concerning the end of their 70-year captivity, yeah, the people were in, in captivity for 70 years, so God was awakening Malcolm to God's desire to move in the UK, in the church, in 2017. And he was saying this last year. In addition, that 50 years after the Darnell prophecy was obviously, 50 years is normally a, a time of celebration and jubilee, isn't it? In the Israelite tradition. And the significant year, 2017, he was saying, would be a significant year. I believe that we're going to see a move of God in the United Kingdom. And I believe God is asking us to get ready. He's asking us to raise our faith and our expectation, to raise our commitment to prayer, to raise our eyes off what we're seeing around us, to take our eyes off the feeling and falling and decaying and to lift our eyes to him. And I think that God is going to have six significant elements and out of those, he was saying that he wants to, God wants to strengthen and revive the small churches. And it's not going to be big central churches with thousands in them, but it'll be a birthing of new hope, energy, expectation and passion in the small local congregations. And he says, I don't think it will end in 2017, but it's going to start in 2017. The other one that he said was that we're going to give a fresh confidence for those of the gospel and that God's going to give us an openness to the Holy Spirit as we delve into his word. And God is going to give the broader church a deeper yearning for the nation and for the lost. And that lastly, that God is going to birth a passion for the gospel to spread from the United Kingdom across the continent to Europe. When you look at that and when you look at some of the words that we've had as a church, the way that God moved in January, okay, then we had the we've had words, haven't we, to get ready. We've had words of it's coming quickly. God is on the move. And when you look at what the signposts are saying, the signposts are saying, come on, have you got a day? Have you got two days? Have you got some time during 29th to the 10th to get some training and get out on the streets? Because God wants to stir something within you. I led seven people to Christ over three days, me personally. Others did, and I was with them. But me personally, I led seven people to Christ. I was like, that, that is incredible. And it was just over, what, we had three one-hour slots 
it wasn't like all day hard at it and I've done beach missions and and summer missions previously when I was a kid and it was just different have you got time because God God all the signs are there that God wants to move he wants to share with his people ordinary people it's uh, ordinary folk who have been animated by the power of God uh, God knows what he's doing uh, there's no surprises for him um, don't get us wrong we did have people who, were, who weren't interested who listened to us and said I've got to be on my way uh, but if you think about the, the testimony Rachel had given Sometimes we're not always called to see the immediate harvest. Who knows what the Lord has been doing in people's lives previous, like that lady with the dogs. She's already had folks sowing it into her lives. And sometimes we're just called to be the sowers, not necessarily the reapers, right? So we're sharing, even if we get not back, and it doesn't always feel great and you feel a little stupid, but you have sown a seed into that person's life and, and the word of God is, is powerful it says it will not return void it will accomplish the work that it's set out to do so we are called to be sowers as well as, as reapers um, let's think about this I was just trying to tally up the numbers just in the between us you mentioned 13 7 I think I was on 5 so what's that 7 25 folks Right. That's just in in an hour or two. It's an hour and two in one one week, over two or two days. Imagine if that was to happen every single day, right? Do you think this fellowship could cope with that level of increase and growth? Think about it. Practically, do we think we would fit them in this room? Okay, if you turn the room around and we've got a few more chairs there, if, if amongst the four of us we saw 25 people bring people to the Lord, if that was then to be extrapolated to all of you, where are we going to put these people, these folk? Right. What was interesting from the guys in Reading, and you know, these are Baptist ministers, you know, established church. Some of the observations they said was the things they do, so they do Alpha, which is great, and we've seen a lot of fruit from Alpha, and some of the folk here in this place have, 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 are here as a consequence of what, what's happened with, with Alpha, and obviously the folk that brought them there. What they said was, these are, he called them containers, will be great for some folk, but not great for everyone. Now, those people that we spoke on, on, the, on the streets, some of them will go to the Baptist church, some of them will, but some of them won't, unless there is appropriate follow-up. Relationship being established with, with people, right? And part of the challenge to us as a church and to yourselves is, you may already know people in your spheres of influence, 
that you know either need to hear the gospel or you need to help them across the line. And those very same people may not ever want to come to this place, as fantastic as it is and as great as your smiling faces are and the worship and etc, etc, may not get there, right? But that doesn't get us off the hook, as it were, right? As well as being called to do the work of the evangelists, we are also to be disciples. We need to put time into people, week in, week out, on the phone, having coffee with them, doing the work of discipleship alongside people. That's exactly what we've got to do, folks. And they may not ever get into this place. Now, some of you are shaken about that, right? They may not ever, right? But they make that step into the kingdom. And it may be that what you do with them is a journey until they get to a place of being amongst Christians and in fellowship. But that's something which we need to be ready for. And part of the turning training, yes, will be about us doing something together in Warsaw Town Centre, right? To get us ready for that, that space. But it'll also be about us getting ready to say, Lord, how do you want to use me to disciple John, Sarah, my niece, my nephew, the person at work. What have I got to do to be part of that role? And folks, if you don't ever bring them into this place, you know, I'm not, I've got a card and mark in how many folks who have been successful. successful. I'm not running a book on, on who's going to win people to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to Jesus, right? It's between you and the Lord. But what I am saying is that we're all called to do this work of the gospel. And it's a challenge, and I want to challenge you. I want to be a little severe with you, as well as to myself, right? Warsaw, Willenhall, wherever you come from, needs to hear the gospel, right? And if we don't share, you see, the Lord uses individuals, right? Part of the way he shaped this world is that he uses human beings. And if we keep our mouths shut, then those folks that you've heard about today wouldn't have heard the gospel at that particular moment, right? So I, I want to challenge us. If you stand to your feet, you think about it. Have a long, hard think now. I'm going to ask you to do it. In fact, shut your eyes just to help you on this one. It's a challenge. Think about the last time you shared the gospel with somebody. All your eyes are shut. You think about it. Now, if the last time you shared the gospel with someone was longer than 12 months ago, then sit down. If it was longer than 12 months ago, sit down. If it was longer than six months ago, sit down. If it was longer than three months ago, sit down. If it was longer than a month ago, sit down. 
if it was longer than a week, cut it down. Okay. Eyes shut. Still keep your eyes shut, please, folks. So, we've got a few folks left. Within a week, and it was just a couple of days, we saw 25 people come to know the Lord. Think about how many more folks have missed out on the opportunity of sharing in the same faith that we have. Because for whatever reason, good reason, occasion, opportunity, we can throw them out. We haven't done that. The rest of you take your seats. The challenge, and I'm not there to be judgmental on anyone because... I speak to myself, folks, on this one. And I've done mission and stuff, and I can say, well, I've done all that. I've been on, on the streets at night and picking up drunks out at the gutter, and, and I've been abroad on mission, this, that, the other. But that, for, some, for me, it was many years ago, right? And yes, I do have nice conversations with people about, yes, I'm, I go to church, but have I really put it out there? It was only until ready, my, I really had to say, Lord, I'm really sorry. I really am. Because when this thing is spoken, it works, right? But for me, maybe it didn't have the confidence in it for some reason. And I wonder whether this church that used to be called Warsaw Evangelistic Centre, right, can live up to that title once again. And even if it gets messy, because my goodness, what are we going to do We've got no chairs to put them out or we're going to have to have another service or um, some folks are going to have to do mission from their home or whatever it might be. Isn't that a price worth paying, folks, if it means people are coming to know Jesus? Yeah? And not just coming to know Jesus, but then maturing in Christ and experiencing the things that we've experienced, even as a fellowship in these last few weeks where the Holy Spirit has been probably more evident in some ways, more visible in our collective gatherings. When we've heard the testimonies over the last few weeks where people have actually been healed, yeah? Healed as a consequence of us having a greater confidence in the gospel, right? So I'm just going to pray for us now, folks. And some little searching, the Holy Spirit's here. He knows what he's saying to you. He knows the people who already, you know in your own spheres of influence. Maybe you've been trying for many years and think, well, God, it's so hard for me to talk to my brother or my sister. Or those folks at work, I don't want them thinking I'm, I'm a crazy person, part of a cult or what have you. We can say a lot of things. But I wonder if we today, as a, as a church, as a fellowship who by name were known as the Evangelistic Center, can stand to that challenge. So just pray with me now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy which you bestowed upon us your unmerited favor that you gave us eternal life, even if we haven't lived up to the mark, we certainly haven't, where you became sin 
for us, our sins, past, present and future. And without you, irrespective of our natural giftings and talents, we are nothing. Our deeds are like filthy rags before you, Lord. None of us could stand, Lord, before the, your brilliance and your glory. But for you, Jesus. But Lord, more than that, more than that, not just the, the grace and mercy, but you have made us co-heirs with you. So we share in your great inheritance that we can call to your Father and say, Abba, Abba, Father, and that you hear our prayers. And more than that, Lord, you have given us power and authority over the works of the evil one. And that we can speak the words of eternal life, words that will accomplish everything that you have set them out to be and to do in your name. And we mark this day, this Sunday in April, as a day where we choose to recommit as a fellowship, yes, but also as individuals to do the work of the evangelist, where we will have, as you strengthen us, Lord, a confidence in your gospel that it truly is the power of God to salvation. So today, Lord, let this be a day where testimonies will start to flow, where people will have had the confidence and courage to share the gospel and see people respond in one way or another, yes, but also see folks come to a saving knowledge and relationship with you, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. As the worship team comes, folks, you've done something important today. This has been a, a day which we should mark in our own lives. The 29th of May is important for us and we will, we'll give you more details about how you practically can get involved in that on that particular moment. But it's more than just the turning. It's more than just those two weeks. It's, it's everyday supernatural. Yeah, the book we've been reading. It's everyday being Christ to all those around us. Yes? Okay, let's stand to our feet and sing our, our last song. Bless you. Thanks, Mick.
bless you.